Bob's from Massachusetts, so his socks are red. Visions of lost sights dancing in his head. Breaks from California, scuba is his sport. Back on land, he's always asking, may it please the court? On Naval Talk Network, they're the host with the most. Just make sure that you don't call it coast to coast. They're lawyer to lawyer. Pack them in your pod, they'll never bore you. Malibu to Cape Cod. The hottest legal issues and the coolest guests. The most fun you can have while wearing a vest. That's lawyer to lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Craig Williams coming to you from Southern California. And Craig, this is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from the Legal Talk Network World Headquarters here in Denver, Colorado. You're at the place where it's the most fun you can have. If you wear a vest. The, the place where it all happens. <laughs> well, if you caught the theme song at the top of the show, it can only mean one thing. It's time for our anniversary show. Uh, that's right, Craig. This is our 10th anniversary of being on the air, or at least on the interwebs. And uh, it's actually a few months past our 10th anniversary, but I, that's okay. But uh, before all the fun begins, why don't we just take a moment to thank our sponsor. Agreed, Bob. In addition to thanking Clio for their many years of support, we'd like to congratulate them on their seven-year anniversary of being in business. So again, thank you and congratulations to Clio, an online practice software management program for lawyers at www.goclio.com. And the funny thing about that seventh-year anniversary is they've been supporting us for 10 years, so I don't know how that worked out. But I really, I, I thanks, thanks, a big thanks to Clio. I just want to add my thanks to them. Well, back in 2005, something called the Legal Talk Network, I don't even think it was called the Legal Talk Network back then, it might have been, created a weekly show spotlighting current legal topics. That show became Lawyer to Lawyer. The, uh, the masters that be at the Legal Talk Network plucked two lawyers from total obscurity, one from the East and one from the West, and turned us into overnight sensations in the podcasting world. Back in 2005, podcasting was just starting out. Uh, as a matter of fact, we were one of the first ever legal podcasts. It eventually took the world by storm. Fast forward to 2015, and Lawyer to Lawyer is still going strong, reaching listeners around the globe. From the debate over the death penalty to Steve Jobs' impact on the legal profession to the Defense of Marriage Act and Prop 8 rulings, we have covered a wide range of topics and have enjoyed ourselves very much in the process. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to uh, celebrate our anniversary and also get in the holiday spirit and, uh, and also look at 10 years of podcasting. So a lot to do. Bob, our guest today is Lawrence Seville. Larry is a New York lawyer, writer, musician, and songwriter, and in fact, he's a returning guest many times over. And in 2012, after 30 years at Chadbourne and Park, Larry moved with a number of his colleagues to form the first U.S. office of the international law firm Herbert Smith Freehills, and he continues to concentrate on litigation, defense, and counseling. Well, Larry's musical take on the legal world started with performances at the University of Michigan Law School's Law Review, uh, supposedly alleged talent show in the early 1980s. It continued with solo and in-house band performances at summer and holiday functions at his former law firm for his poking good-natured fun at lawyers, and the legal profession was thankfully well-received and encouraged. 
Over the years, he's recorded many of these songs. He produced vinyl records, cassette tapes, and then CDs that he gave each holiday season to family, friends, colleagues, clients, and even people he met on airplanes. In fact, uh, Bob, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you and I have several copies. I think I, think I have an extensive collection of Larry's CDs. <laughs> All right. Well, well, you can find out more about Larry and his music at Lawrence Savell. That's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E-S-A-V-E-L-L dot com. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer, Larry Savell. Thank you very much. I think this is my uh, fifth appearance on the show, and I'm very happy that a uh, late surge in the polls got me off the kids' table. <laughs> and you know, I don't even know if we mentioned in all of that introduction that that little uh, song we heard at the opening of the show uh, was the Lawyer to Lawyer theme song that Larry composed just for us, or maybe he composed it for somebody else. You guys else inspired me. They didn't want it, and he gave it to <laughs> us. Right. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> No, it was for you guys, and it's always been a thrill to be on your show, and I'm very excited to be here again. And congratulations on 10 wonderful years, and we hope for at least 10 more. So, Larry, tell us, I mean, it's actually been a while now since you've been on our show, and we have we have a new listener or two since then. So I thought maybe you could just kind of recap for us a little bit how you got into this whole music thing as a sidelight to practicing law. Sure. Well, I think it all, as, as Craig mentioned, it started in, in law school. I would get up at the talent shows at the University of Michigan Law School, and then I went to work at Chadbourne, and my first uh, year at the holiday party, and this was obviously before I had a mortgage, um, I got up there and I did a bunch of songs that were well-received, and over the years I would perform at various functions, and eventually people said, why don't you um, record these? And in 1998, I released my first CD, which was called The Lawyer's Holiday Humor Album, and as the law tunes, I I released six albums. Uh, and then more recently, I switched from the Law Tunes to uh, the Surf Chords, which is another imaginary band which exists solely in my head. And uh, we released an album called Seasun uh, Greetings, um, which the hallmark of which is the artwork on the jacket, which was done by my 84-year-old mother. So is that your latest album, Larry? It is, it is. And she and I are both waiting for our Grammy. <laughs> well, the nominations are out, so uh, we'll have to read thoroughly all the way down to the bottom to see if there's a humor category. <laughs> Do we have, we have see, a clip these, from this? Sorry, go ahead. I was going to just say, we have, we have a clip to play from Season Greetings, right? Do we have one? Yeah, I hope let's, so. Let's, let's look, you hope so. Let's, can we play that right now? They have the wherewithal, Season Greetings. Everybody wants a toy, season greetings, man or woman, girl or boy, even where there is no snow, Santa will arrive in the... Brian Wilson is very jealous right now. <laughs> well, and, and just to let you, our listeners know, that, that album can be found at Surf Chords, that's S-U-R-F-C-H-O-R-D-S dot com. Well, thank you. One of the reasons I've I've been doing these things over the years is, in, in a small part, you know, people have a view of lawyers as as stuffy and humorless, and and there certainly are some that are that way. But if even in a little bit, this kind of an undertaking can maybe change some people's view about lawyers as being a lot more approachable than they may have thought they were. Maybe when it comes time that they actually need a lawyer, they might be more willing to approach them. So I've tried a little bit in my own little way to kind of soften the image of lawyers. Plus, it's been a labor of love. It's a lot of fun. The Law Tunes songs talked about being all the things we did as, as lawyers, reviewing rooms full of documents and stuff like that. And with this latest album, what I've tried to do is is appeal to a, a larger audience, you know, doing more 
broader songs, but again, they're all done by a lawyer, um, which you know is, is a little bit unusual, and hopefully will have some effect on people. So, how do people outside the legal community respond to your work, Larry? Well, I've always been very pleased by the response uh, to this. I know a lot of people who buy the albums use them as coasters, but I think there are some that actually do play them. And and I think it's it's been very positive. You know, people seem to be intrigued by it. I speak at uh, junior high and high schools every year, and I often give out copies to some of the kids there. And, you know, I don't. the test to me is whether within 24 hours they're on eBay, and usually they're not. Well, as I recall, you had quite an elaborate home recording setup. What's what's the current state of your uh, technology and audio equipment? Uh, it, it's pretty expensive. You know, my musical abilities have never progressed, but fortunately, the technology has. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I have a mixing board, which is nowhere near as nice as the mixing board I know you guys are using. But I do all my recording at home on uh, a. I do hear pedaling in the background, so maybe it's a, it's a pedal-driven thing. Maybe it's a spin class next door. But um, you know. I do all my recording there. I have a 16-track uh, mixing board, and I have a bunch of guitars and keyboards and stuff. And my goal is, what I'm aiming for, is mediocrity. I am trying to be sound, to sound minimally competent, and if I can achieve that, I will have uh, achieved my goal. But it's it's really a lot of fun. And if people enjoy what I do, that's wonderful. I certainly enjoy it. And you know, one of the messages that I would try to convey to your listeners is that if there's something you want to do, and everybody, not just every lawyer, but everybody has something that they want to do. It's a book, it's a, it's a CD, it's, it's a, tr- a special trip. And, you know, a lot of people I've talked to about this said, well, you know, when I retire, I'm going to do that. And my, my thought is, why put it off? I know we work crazy hours, we have lots of commitments, but there's always a way to make room to do it. And my my message is, if there's something you really want to do, do it now. I'm sure you can fit it in, and it will give you, hopefully, as much satisfaction as this has given me. I, I would be very upset if I had put this off, and I'm so happy I've, I've done it, you know, to whatever success it's had. Well, let's take another track from your 16-song album. I believe it's called Christmas Girl that we've got a clip comp from, and let's see how minimally competent you really are. You'll always be my Christmas girl When the lights are burning bright You'll always be my Christmas girl Even if you're out of sight as all around falls quiet snow. Now, Larry, that song sounds like it's got some significance to you. Well, it does. Uh, it does. You know, it's um, a lot of a lot of things that people create have uh, bases in their in their lives, and that actually. Um, was a song I had written to my wife who had passed away. So, but you know, this album tries to have you know very upbeat songs and and some introspective songs. So, and it, you know, you mentioned Brian Wilson everywhere, and he's obviously earlier, and he's obviously the person I'm trying in a, in a small way to emulate. And what I like about him is he can do the best rock and roll songs and he can do the most personal and introspective songs like In My Room. And, you know, I viewed this as an opportunity to try to both, you know, do rock and roll stuff, but also do things that are trying to convey a message and sentiments and stuff like that. And people have really responded to it. And I think a lot of people who know me and who've heard this album 
know what I'm talking about on the album. So you talk about what, you know, what's people's reactions. That's been the most satisfying thing is that people can understand that there's a bunch of messages on this record and, and they seem to be, uh, they seem to be getting it, which is, which is great. One of the songs on the album is, is cruising Christmas Eve, which was my try to take on a, on, on little St. Nick talking about Santa's sleigh. And, you know, com- I list several saw several vehicles that are in beach boys songs and stuff like that. And it's a Woody, obviously, and it's cherry because it is, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the first t- uh, song on the album, In the St. Nick of Time, is about somebody who forgot to send the Christmas gift, um, seeing Santa come down the chimney and saying, hey, would you mind delivering this for me? And uh, that kind of desperation, it reminds me of when I was a beginning associate running to the west side of Manhattan trying to make a FedEx deadline before they closed the garage on my career. So, you know, it's all got, you know, meaning. And actually, actually, um, at one point, I sent a copy of it to one of the, the big um, delivery companies companies to see if they would want to use it in in, um, in commercials. Uh, I didn't hear back, so I'm assuming it was lost in transit. Well, Larry, we're really sorry about the loss of your wife, and I, I remember when well, that you. happened, and uh, very sorry for that. But uh, on, a, on a lighter note, I, I, we, we, I understand that, that just this week you written uh, and produced a new Lawyer to Lawyer jingle for us for our 10th anniversary. Do I have that right? You have that right. And, uh, you know, I was so happy to be invited to come back. Um, I was very happy to do this, and, and I, I hope you like it. One from back east, the other out west book ending, the greatest of guests, and it doesn't matter whatever you do, whatever the subject, you'll learn something new. So pull up a chair and prepare to be wowed, their virtual reality has never a cloud. Two peas in a podcast, Bob and Craig too, bring lawyer to lawyer to you. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you like it. You're very welcome. <laughs> Love it. Got a little How monster mash that? thing going on there. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it, I, it, it's such a thrill to be on the show, and I've enjoyed your broadcast for so long, and as have many, many other people. And if I could give back a little bit, I, I wanted to do that. So uh, thank you very much. Well, we are. Well, that's quite a quite a present for the end of the year. And thank you so much, Larry. And I, I also, like Bob, want to express my my sympathies to you over your loss of your wife. It it hit us uh, hard when when that happened. And and we're we're glad that you're back and happy that you're making new music and uh, thrilled with this latest jingle. This is just fantastic for our tenth anniversary. <laughs> Well, when you invite me back for 15th, uh, hopefully I can top it. We'll be sure to do that. Well, we really appreciate uh, we're getting near the end of this segment. To our listeners, uh, stay tuned because we'll get more for this show. But, Larry, we really appreciate your being with us today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you again and to hear some of your latest work. Thank you very much. And, again, congratulations uh, on, on a wonderful show that uh, I'm sure lots of people other than me look forward to every every time. Well, thank you, Larry. And we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Kate Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, with most cloud computing providers, moving your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. 
And even if you have an existing legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Well, welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bob Ambrosi. In our last segment, we were talking to Larry Savell, who's just released a new album. Uh, you can get it at surfchords.com. And now we're going to... Uh, have two mystery guests, and we'll take a quick look back at the last 10 years and somehow cram all this into 15 minutes. So uh, I don't know how to introduce our mystery guest other than to say hello. Hello, Bob and Craig. How are you? We are just good. Great. You have no idea who I am, do you? Uh, now, having heard your voice, I have to say I'm stumped. <laughs> I'm stumped, too. For probably six years, you heard my voice every Wednesday at around 1 o'clock. Uh Michael. How's it going, Bob? <laughs> Good. Michael Hawkman. Hi, Craig. How are you? I am fine, sir. How are you? How's that baby of yours? Doing great, thank you. And, and I know now why I'm stumped, because you're not on good recording equipment. I'm hearing You're not hearing your pure and clear voice. Plus, now that you're a lawyer, it's That's probably right. corrupted I, your voice anyway. Mike I Hockman, didn't have a landline to connect to, so we have to use my cell phone. Mike, Mike Hockman, it was, for our listeners, Mike Hockman was the producer of our show for... How long did you say? Six years, was it? About six years, I think. Yeah, maybe a little more. Producer and engineer uh, of our show. Kate was the producer of our show, and Mike was the engineer of our show for many years. And uh, while we were on the Legal Talk Network. Got, got so sick of hearing about lawyers every week, they decided to go to law school himself. And, uh, yeah, everyone did. When I told people that I wanted to go to law school, I think the, uh, the majority of responses were, why? And, and that was us <laughs> asking you that. But, uh, well, but, uh, yeah. So what are you doing? Tell us what you're doing these days. Uh, sure. I'm working in um, a small law firm, really doing a lot of you know, family and probate type law, and I'm liking it. It's, you know, it's a great way to just get the experience in front of a, a judge and in a courtroom that you know, I didn't really have before. And it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. But I, I definitely miss talking to you guys and, and being a part of Legal Talk. So, Michael, is there anything that we did that uh, motivated you to become a lawyer or how did, how did, you, how did you come upon the desire to be a lawyer? Really, it it was I think you guys directly in all of the the different shows and the different topics that we we covered. <clears throat> I um I always said that you know, working with Legal Talk and and being a part of your show and the you know, the whole bunch of other shows that we did, it exposed me to a whole bunch of different area areas of law that I didn't know existed. It really showed me how the law tied into really every aspect of life. So it was that interest that kind of got me involved in going to law school, and really kind of brought me to where I am. And the, the funny thing is, I say that, you know, being a part of the show exposed me to all these different areas of law that I didn't really know existed. And then now that I, I am a lawyer, now that I am, you know, working in a law office, I'm working in the form of law that I was exposed to before I ever worked with you guys. So it's kind of funny how it worked out that way. Of course, you know that while you were working with us, you, you were working as part of a team with Kate, who was our, our producer. And, and as I'm sure you know, Kate has just recently come back to work with our show again. We're really excited about that. So, so if the law thing doesn't work out for you, 
you know, there's always a place back here for you on the Lawyer to Lawyer show. And the pay is amazing. And, and, and the hours are great, too. One of the things that I always joked about, at least with, um, with Kate, was uh, how, you know, once I'm finally done with law school and I'm finally a lawyer, you know, I want to be able to come on Legal Talk Network and have my own show. So I feel as though this is my chance to do that. <laughs> well, you know, with, with uh, using the lousy recording equipment, I'm not sure you're putting out a good impression as a former engineer. <laughs> I could I could set something up. I could send you guys a good quality recording afterwards if that's what you want. Oh yeah, we we'd have to have a tape, <laughs> right? We'll we'll have to do a baby lawyer show for all the juvenile lawyers out there. Well, I think Bob, it's time that we uh, take a break and uh, get, bring in our second mystery guest if we're going to finish up in in time to uh, end the show. Uh, continuing with our anniversary show here, and we've already had one mystery guest unknown to us come on the show. Is Mike Hockman, who's a longtime former producer uh, of our show. And we have now just been joined by a second mysterious guest. We don't know who it is. So uh, welcome to the show, mystery guest. Thank you, Mr. Ambrogi. Oh, that's too easy. I'm sorry. That's too easy. How are you? How did Lou? you know, Bob? That's not fair. Where's Craig? I could have fooled Craig. I I had it too. I had oh, it too. No. Even though you tried to disguise hey, it, it didn't work. I want to know why I'm the number two mystery guest. That's what I want to know. You're number one in our hearts, Luann. Oh, me too. Back at you, Craig. How is everybody there? Everybody's good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm in Boston, not too far from Bob, if he knows. I'm I'm. Such a great fan of Lawyer to Lawyer for 10 years now. How did that happen? I'm not 10 years older. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly not 10 years older. So for our listeners uh, who may not know what your connection is to the show, do you want me to tell them or do you want to tell them? Why don't you tell them? No, you tell them. I'll be interested in your your talk. You are the (laughs) brain. <laughs> you are the brains. You are the founder. Uh, you are the creator, uh, Lou. Uh, without you, we would not be here. Uh, Lou started uh, the Legal Talk Network way back when, and uh, Lou and her partner Scott uh, cajoled Craig and I. It didn't take much cajoling, frankly, but uh, got Craig and I together to do our first show, which back then was called Coast to Coast until somebody threatened to sue us over the name. Uh, and uh, we eventually became lawyer to lawyer. Uh, so uh, Lou ran the company until three years ago. Is that right? Right, 2012. Sold to the new owners, to Logical, the folks who now uh, own the Legal Talk Network, and uh, kept us going all those years and were our inspiration and taught us everything we know about broadcasting, <laughs> which sadly is well, not you know, much, Maybe but... she's taught us a lot, but we just didn't no, retain. She taught well. We just didn't retain well, yeah. Right. So, Luann, how did you get started? How did the Legal Talk Network start? Since you were the, you and, and Scott were the, kind of the ones that started it, how did it come into being? Well, you know, it, it's a funny story that I tell often um, to lots of audiences, and I teach uh, at Emerson College. I teach. I'm head of the entrepreneurship program at Emerson College now, and I still um, have Boston Media Group, which is the sort of the mothership from which Legal Talk Network was born um, initially. But how did it get started? So we came from the broadcast industry sort of, um, you know, and started our own business thinking of different ways that we could create programs because we were, we really, really, our passion was storytelling. And we came up with this crazy idea that, you know, lawyers like to talk and wouldn't it be great to do programs with lawyers hosting the programs 
but talk about legal news, legal issues. Um, so we kind of ran the idea by some folks, and then we said, well, how are we going to find these lawyers <laughs> in order to do this? So we turned to the Internet and started looking for high-profile legal bloggers. Even back in those days, we ran across right away Bob Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. We thought, wow, if they can blog about legal content, they surely can talk about legal content. And we kind of liked the idea of the coast-to-coast, and you mentioned that that was the first name of your program, um, and we had to change it. But what was what was funny about that story is when we have had the sort of you know, cease and desist uh, letter from an unnamed source. It was great because we had two lawyers on the show. So we turned to our, our host and said, okay, now what do we do? Because we're, we were broadcasters. Anyway, we started the show. And just from the very beginning, I looked back on the website on Legal Talk Network to see the inauguration show. And... Um, I listened to the first part of it. Boy, was that a flashback. But, you know, through all these years, i got to tell you, these two guys, Craig and Bob, have been, it's a religion for them. And they have been so committed and so dedicated because for the audience, they must know it's not an easy deal to host Lawyer to Lawyer. They do a lot of preparation, and um, they're great at asking guest questions and keeping the conversation flowing. And so that really made our job very, very easy. Um, Mike might've had a different story about it being easy, but, (laughs) but I can definitely say you guys really made it easy and pros. I didn't have to do much coaching at all. Um, They were really, both of you guys took it, took to water like ducks to water. Is that how the thing goes? Anyway, you guys are great to work with and always coming up with great ideas. And we had a great staff that worked with us and you might be thinking, so why are you no longer with it? Um, so we had a funny thing happen on the way to the theater, uh, to the show. We got a call from the head of Logical. One day out of the blue, Legal Talk Network was not for sale. And Adam Cameron the CEO of Logical, what a great guy. We've become such great friends, said something very ominous. He said, we've been watching Legal Talk Network. I thought, oh, geez, what does that mean? Watching sounded like, you know, big brother. And he's the man, right? He was. He's the one who was watching, the one and only. And um, so one thing led to another, and they decided to acquire it, and they have so so many more resources to build it to the next level. We were thrilled. Um, I still talk to the logical team and I still work with Mike and Kate who um, was the original Legal Talk Network team. Uh, we're still friends and colleagues and all is well. And I, I often think we always worried what happens if Bob or Craig didn't want to continue the show because they were the flagship show from from the beginning of Lori to Lori. We built 15 different legal programs, many of which you can see on Legal Talk Network, and they've added more shows. So I'll shut up now, and you guys can ask questions or talk. But it's it's really it's really great to to say that I was part of working with you. I, I mean that. You know, you know that we all feel the same way. We had a great time, and and uh, it has been. It was great working with you guys, and and I as long as we're throwing names out, I'm just I'm sitting here right now with Lawrence Galetti, who was 
our producer between Kate's uh, did a fantastic job picking up uh, after Logical took it over and uh, is now kind of stepping down as our producer as Kate's coming back into it again. But uh, he's uh, meanwhile expertly controlling the soundboard here right now as we're as we're doing all this. And uh, so a, a, a shout out to him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I met Lawrence. Uh, he came to Boston with Adam and we had a nice breakfast downtown. I think it was at the Liberty Hotel. And uh, yeah, he really he, he really has a great passion for Legal Talk Network. But, you know, how many shows have you guys done now? I mean, we were weekly. You know, we're, we now are every other week, but we were weekly for that first seven years. So that, that tells you something. Uh, 50 times seven is uh, 350. Uh, and uh, however many we've done since then. We're probably close to 500. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And weekly was not an easy thing to do, but we had great guests, too. I think you guys are still continuing that great tradition. That's been really one of the interesting things. Uh, is been some of the guests that we've been able to get on this show over the years. Especially in the early days, it was interesting because a lot of the people who came on the show clearly had no idea what a podcast <laughs> was or what they were getting themselves into. And, <laughs> and I don't want to mention any names right now, but I, I can distinctly remember a couple of the early guests who really just were clueless about the fact that they were on a podcast. They just thought they were on some radio talk show somewhere. Uh, now the podcasts are understood and become more popular. It's, it's, you know, people come on appreciating the medium and what it's all about, but, but that, that's really changed. Yeah, we were definitely in the early adopting phase, I would say, with podcasts in 2005. You know, people would say, a pod, a pod what? One, one of the guests that you, Lou, were instrumental in us being able to get on early on was uh, F. Lee Bailey, a noted trial lawyer who, uh, I mean, to me, he had always been iconic uh, in, in the trial bar. And uh, you, you had done some interviews with him even, I think, even before our show started. You had done some interviews with him and gotten to know him, and you were able to get him on our show early on. Yeah, he was great. And who are some of your notables that you remember, Craig? Well, I, I still flash back and still amazed that we've now had two lawyers that work for the United Nations and the breadth and scope of their work. Uh, and just the, I think it was perhaps one of the things Mike I, Mike Hockman, I think, is on the line with you, Luann, and, I, and was on our earlier segment and said that, you know, just the variety of legal shows that we did motivated him to become a lawyer, understanding the rule of law basically winds its way into every aspect of our lives. I think that one of the hardest things that, that I think we all struggle with is especially as a result of the, the mass killings in San Bernardino last week, um, is how much international law is important and how important the lawyers are that work for the UN in terms of just the danger that they face. Uh, because, you know, being a lawyer, you think you go graduate from law school and you're going to go be a lawyer. You can't even fathom that there's any type of danger that's involved with it. And, and certainly there is for those folks. They go out and ensure that the rule of law is enforced in areas that have not known the rule of law for the longest time. So those lawyers, the experiences they've had and the things that they've talked about just kind of expand my mind as well into the significance of what we do on a daily basis as lawyers. You know, people would always ask us, Craig, that you're absolutely right. People always ask us, will you do ever run out of, of show topics? Well, we never, ever. We had so many different ideas for shows, even on a weekly basis, that we could do anything from, you know, IP law to tech to tort to, you know, sports. 
I even remember we had a singing lawyer on Lawyer to Lawyer one time. A lawyer who sang for He was us. on the earlier segment, Larry Savelle. He's back in the earlier segment, and he created a new jingle for our 10th anniversary. Was he really? We've had pro- prognosticating lawyers. Yeah, and, and I think the really coolest one I remember is the guy that got a job as a result of being on our podcast because he was out of work at the time. I do remember that. Selling furniture. Oh, well, that was yeah. such a great story. Somebody heard him and gave him a job. Well, that made it all worthwhile, for sure. But you're right. There's so many really serious issues. And in every serious issue that we face in society today, lawyers are an integral part of it. And uh, while we joke a lot about lawyers, well, maybe you don't, but we do. <laughs> there, it's It's very serious stuff. Yeah, I, I, and I think the the most memorable one for me is the grandfather that came on uh, to talk about Universal 911, and his daughter had been killed uh, in front of his granddaughter in a motel room. They was trying to get back with her ex-husband, and the granddaughter dialed 911, but it didn't work because you had to dial a 9 to get an outside line before 911. And she looked at her grandfather, and she said, Grandpa, I called 911, but it didn't work. So, Lou, what's, what are your students looking at? What's, what's next? You're teaching innovation and entrepreneurship. Podcasts are getting kind of old now. So what's next? I don't know if they're old, but there's certainly critical mass and commonplace where when we started it, that was not the case. Also, you got to remember, you know, that was really about the same time YouTube was starting. Twitter was 2006, so... Things have really changed, haven't they, in the past even five years, if you think about it, with regard to technology. So as a result of that, I teach juniors and seniors at Emerson College in Boston, and it's a year-long entrepreneurship program. So they come in not knowing anything about what it means to be an entrepreneur, and um, they come in to develop an idea. And I will tell you that a lot of the ideas, amazingly, well, what's not surprising is a lot of the ideas are to develop apps an app for building communities for this, for that. I have one student who's developing an app that will help children with autism. All sorts of things like that. What I have found surprising and and really excited about, the young students are looking for ways to create value, social value. In other words, social entrepreneurship. They don't just do it just to make money, although we do create a business model to generate revenue, and that's part of it, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. Um, but, they, but they're but they very socially minded, much like lawyers are. They actually want to have an impact in any small way to solve a problem, however small the problem might be. And I think those really make the best entrepreneurs. I mean, I'm seeing something very similar in the legal field. I feel that what you're seeing is that some of the most interesting innovation or, or development in technology is focused on finding ways to deliver legal services more efficiently and affordably to people who otherwise don't have access to it. I mean, it's, a, it's another kind of a sort of social innovation. Lawyers are becoming programmers and coders and trying to figure out how to use technology to uh, reach populations that are less advantaged and can't normally, you know, afford a lawyer through normal channels. So it's interesting that you say that about what your students are doing, because that kind of reflects what I'm seeing in the legal field now. Probably entrepreneurs and businesses are the ones who are going to solve a lot of these social problems as opposed to politicians. 
I had a quick question for Mike that I'd always wanted to ask him, which which is, Mike, you're still there, right? I'm still here. What, what was what was the biggest screw up in the background that we never knew about? Knew about? <laughs> the biggest screw up in the back room. Um, yeah, one one definitely comes to mind. There was this one time uh, the way that we used to have the show set up, and I think it's probably a little bit different now. But the way we used to have the show set up was we would connect, you know, Bob through uh, Skype on a laptop and feed him into the into the the show. We connect Craig through a a laptop with Skype and feed him into the show. And then we'd call all of our guests and we'd have them on, you know, regular telephone lines. And one time during a show, I forget what happened. I think, Bob, you might have been camping or something. But while on the show, your cell phone, which is all you had at the time, your cell phone signal just completely died and, and you went missing for maybe two or three minutes. And while Bob's cell phone was dead, something happened with Craig's connection and we lost him for maybe two or three minutes. And during this whole time, the guests are, are still going on and talking, and they were talking to each other and asking each other questions. And probably after about four or five minutes, Kate and I were able to get both Bob and Craig back on the show. They just picked up without, you know, as though you know nothing had ever happened, and the guests never knew what happened. And we were all just cracking up in the background because, you know, nobody knew that this huge, huge mistake and huge goof occurred. I remember that now that you mentioned that. <laughs> Well, it's fun to hear all these stories, and, and uh, we're very close to the end of our show, Bob, if not over it. And uh, it's time to wrap up and get your final thoughts so that uh, we can put this thing to bed. You want my final thoughts? Well, it's your anniversary as well as it is mine. <laughs> we sound like a bickering 10-year couple here, don't we? It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, there's some truth in that, I can say, yeah, honestly. <laughs> Amicable bickering. You know, well, actually, when we were waiting to record earlier, uh, Larry Savelle was on the line, and uh, Larry said something like, you know, when when you started this podcast 10 years ago, did you ever think 10 years ago, 10 years later, you would still be doing it? And uh, I think uh, all of us on the phone will agree that there is no way in the world we envision doing this 10 years later. I think uh, the reason we all keep doing it is it's just been an awful lot of fun. More, I think more fun uh, than, than any of us. What's Larry's song say? More fun than you, the most fun you can have in a vest or something like that. In Larry's <laughs> song. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think that this call has made clear that it's also sort of created a little family uh, that we're all part of all around this show. And, and, it's, and the family has been growing as the Legal Talk Network is growing. And, and as other shows have come in and other hosts and other people have gotten involved, they all kind of start to feel like family. You know, you see these people at trade shows or, or seminars or whatever, and, and it's like you have this connection to them, even though some of them I've never even met before. So it, my, my closing thought is, uh, you know, uh, what a long, strange trip it's been. But it's, it's been a great trip, and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really uh, thankful to Lou for getting this going in the first place and, and thankful to the logical folks for keeping it going uh, and thankful to uh, all the folks on this call, Craig in particular, for just being uh, such great people to, to work with over the years. Well, I think I'd agree with you, Bob, on all of those counts. It's been uh, a fantastic trip. It's been uh, a very enjoyable one and a learning one along the way. And, I, you know, Mike's comment about that has really driven it home that uh, more than anything else, it's expanded my horizons into the legal community and uh, taught me a lot that I would have never known. So I'm very grateful for it and very grateful for Lou and for Adam and uh, Scott and Kate and Mike and 
Lawrence and you know, the, the folks that make us go. Uh, but especially thankful for you, Bob, because you've been with me through the whole ride, and it's always fun to have you on the on the other side of the line. You ask such great questions, so thanks very much. That brings us to the end of our show for now. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks it was so great much. to talk to you. Lou and Mike, I thanks really, so much for really being here. I enjoyed it. Thanks for being our mystery guests. And thanks to Kate, who's listening in the background Anytime. through all of this. Uh, most of all, thank you for our listeners, and join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Bob's from Massachusetts, so his socks are red. Visions of lost sites dancing in his head. Breaks from California, scuba is his sport. Back on land, he's always asking, may it please the court? Network, they're the host with the most. Just make sure that you don't call it coast to coast. They're lawyer to lawyer. Pack them in your pod, they'll never bore you. Malibu to Cape Cod, the hottest legal issues and the coolest guests. The most fun you can have while wearing a vest. That's lawyer to lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.